Hey friends, Pastor Marco here. First of all, thank you for listening to the weekly podcast. I want to um, encourage you to do something. If you listen to us from a different state or a different country and you love the church and you want to be more connected to it, we are now opening it up for people to host new life communities from where they are. And if you're interested in being one of those people that can uh, host a watch party of our services where you can invite your friends, your loved ones, your coworkers, your neighbors or whatnot to come and be a part of it, uh, email us at info at newlifesouthcoast.com because we want to be able to have pockets of new life communities all over the nation and all over the world. So if you're interested, get back to us. Uh, we would love to connect with you. Also, if you're closer and you can be in the physical building, our services now are at 9.15 and 11 a.m. at our New Bedford location and 11 a.m. at our Forever location. The best way to stay connected is by downloading our church app. Go to the browser um, and just type in New Life South Coast and our app will pop up on Apple or whatever else that you use for you to stay connected. I pray that today's message, as usual, will encourage you, challenge you, and, and bless your walk with the Lord. And if you have your Bibles, we're going, our Bible reading is going to come from the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If you missed last week, um, you can listen to it or watch it on our app, so you can kind of know where, we, where we've been um, last week, and we're adding on to last week's message. 1 Corinthians 6, I want to read two verses today out of this book. And as usual, I always say, I hope you can go home and read the whole chapter because so you can get the full extent of it because we only have a limited amount of time. And so it's hard to go through all of it. So 1 Corinthians 6 says, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church in the city called Corinth modern-day Greece, just for reference. He says, look, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. Can you highlight that word beneficial? Not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, which, by the way, this was a saying in that, in that culture that, hey, listen, if I'm hungry, I'm going to eat. I'm going to get mine." But Paul says, well, you say food for the stomach, stomach for the food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Can you say amen? Again, I, I pray that we can hear this message through our spirit and not our flesh. And I brought the chair today because I think this is one of those kitchen table conversations. Once in a while, you've got to have a kitchen table talk. I don't know how, you know, your house was, but that's where you usually know we're about to have a talk uh, at the kitchen table. Interesting enough, though, even though this message is not suitable for kids, as I was studying for this message, I was brought back to my childhood. Um, and for some reason, one of my favorite books growing up came to mind. And I want to maybe bring some of us back to our childhood by showing you this picture. Can you, can you show the book that I'm talking about? How many remember the, the Three Little Pigs? How many remember the story of the Three Little Pigs? One of my absolutely favorite stories. You know those ones you can hear over and over again? And uh, just for fun, you're going to help me refresh your memory about this book. 
So you have these three little pigs that decided to build their own houses. And we've been talking about building a spiritual house, right, uh, with a strong foundation. How many remember what the first pig did? What did he build his house of? He built his house out of straw. That's great. Look, we already have a Sunday school class. <laughs> built his house out of straw, right? And he built it pretty quickly because he wanted to play. He wanted to hang out. He wanted to have fun. And then his brother, the second little pig, built his house out of? Sticks, right? Sticks. I don't know what version you had, uh, but pretty much it's sticks. Maybe you bought yours at the dollar store. I don't know. Um, but he, bought his, he built his house out of sticks because he also wanted to be done with it quickly, and he wanted to play, and he wanted to have fun. And then you have the third little brother. You know, the third little brother is the brother that you know if you have one like this in your family, it annoys you because this is the brother that's kind of the mature one, the one that takes his time, the one that's not in a rush, and he built his house out of? He built his house out of bricks, right? And the other ones would be like, come on, let's go play, you know, but he's like, no, I got to build this house the right way, brick upon brick, precepts upon precepts. And we know what happened, right? Who comes on the scene? The big, bad wolf comes on the scene, and he is hungry and he goes to the first house and what does he do he huffs and puffs and he blows the house down so the first little pig loses his house what does he do he runs to his brother's house made out of sticks and there the big bad wolf once again does what he huffs and he puffs and he blows his house down. And you're right now going, is this what I came to church for? <laughs> the house comes tumbling down and he, they go to the third little pig's house made out of bricks. And the wolf once again huffs and puffs. And this time the house does not come down. So he huffs and puffs again and again and again. And then he had this clever idea. Maybe I can go through the, the chimney. Remember the chimney? But the pig who was the mature one, the wise one, was clever enough to say, hey, he might come through here and we're going to do what? What is it? We're going to boil him. How is that for a little kid's book, by the way? You don't realize this stuff until you're older. You're like, yo, wait a minute. The wolf falls into this big pot and they boil him. And the best part is they ate him. They ate, like, I'm reading this thing again. I'm like, I don't remember this when I was a kid. They, they ate the wolf. You know, building a solid life requires self-control and discipline. You can't build a solid life on a wing. You can't build a solid life in a, in a rush. We live in an instant gratification society. But I think what's happening is this. We don't realize that our houses are being made out of sticks and straws. And my friends, I, I have to be honest with you. The alarming thing, the, one of the most alarming things about this season of COVID is that, I don't know about you, but it made me realize that 
we're not as strong as we think we are. And I don't mean just physically, I mean spiritually. Like, it made me realize, wait a minute, people are in church, but they might be building houses of sticks. Because all of a sudden, we're hit with a crisis and everybody flees. Y'all ain't going to talk to me today. But there is a big concern in the Capital C Church that perhaps we haven't been as strong and healthy spiritually as we thought we were. And let's be honest, just because we are in a building does not mean we're building. Just because you live with someone does not mean you guys are building your marriage. Just because your kid is in a house does not mean he's being parenting. I think we've been exposed. I've been very convicted by this lately. That I think our churches are not as strong as we thought they were. I think we have to get to the place to realize that numbers don't necessarily equate to strength. Because the Bible tells us that we do have an enemy of the soul. It doesn't call him a big bad wolf. It calls him a lion. Right? And one of the scriptures tells this about the enemy of our souls. It says that you got to stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And I think he's doing that right now as we speak. You see, he doesn't come into your life saying, hey, I'm here to ruin your life. He does it in subtle ways. He wants to Work at the foundation of your spiritual house enough to be able to blow it down. He wants to be able to huff and puff until he destroys it. And Jesus said something really heavy. Jesus said there's going to come a time where things are going to get so bad that some people are going to lose their faith. And he says the faith of many will grow cold. And he says I pray that you are able to withstand the test of times so you can be faithful till the end. My friends, we need to go deeper in our roots and be grounded so we're not easily persuaded by the enemy to give up the faith, to give up our marriages, to give up our kids, to give up our purpose. The Bible even says don't give them even a, not even a foothold. You know what a foothold is? When the door's about to close and you put your foot in? says the enemy just needs a little foothold to come in to your spiritual house and begin to destroy it from the inside out. And what's, what's alarming to me, my friends, again, this is a very mature word today, what's alarming to me is that it's, it's not even, it's easy to pinpoint that stuff in the world, but it's in the church. Even the church has bought into a lot of lies, a lot of deceits. And we're not even realizing it. Why? Because we're just thinking, I showed up, I must be good. But then COVID hits and we realize, wait a minute, I'm not as strong as I thought I was. I'm kind of wavering in my faith here. Come on, are you with me? And what's fascinating to me about the Bible is that the Bible is so relevant. We read this. This was written over 2,000 years ago to a church in a city that was very, very similar to our society today. If you study the city of Corinth, for me, the city of Corinth is, is the most relevant thing about the Bible when it comes to what's happening right now. This was a very progressive city, a city that had many ways of life. It was a port city, by the way, which is very similar to New Bedford and Fall River, a port city. And you know, in port cities, there's a lot that goes bumping in the night. If you know what I'm talking about. I know we're in church, but let's be honest. You know, a lot of 
interesting things could happen in a progressive culture where anything goes. And we are in a culture right now that is pushing for anything to go. We're legalizing everything. We're making everything accessible. You don't have to go anywhere to find what you want, what you need. Right here on your phone. Right? And Paul, the apostle who planted this church and is now trying to help these people understand. Listen, no, listen. You were being saved out of that into the will of God. Which means you cannot keep doing what you were doing when you were in the world. Because now you're in the word. When you're in the word, you're not of the world. Jesus said you got to be in the world, but not of the word. Like, in the world, but not of it. Which means, listen, there are certain philosophies, there are certain ways of life that does not translate into being God's people. Like, we don't just do what the world does. Because if we do what the world does, then we lose what the Bible calls our distinctiveness, which is another word for holiness. Holiness means I'm not perfect. I'm set apart. I'm distinct. My life belongs to the Lord. My family belongs to the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Like, I can't be serving the world and thinking I'm going to serve the Lord. Something's going to give. Listen, we live in an overly sexualized culture just like them. Did you know this? You can study this for yourself, but this Greek culture, they had temples where people basically would go to it and have sexual orgies and call it a spiritual thing. So imagine you living in a society where you can walk down the street and you can be lured into a spiritual activity. It's not that different from our day and age. Where we live in an overly sexualized culture that we're not even asking the question anymore, what is the purpose of even sex? What is the purpose of my life? Is it just that I am a sum of my urges or am I more than that? What Paul was trying to say to them is, guys, when you say food for the stomach and stomach for the food, you're reducing yourself to just a sum of your urges. That if I'm hungry, I'm going to eat. In Transla- I don't want to translate that anymore <laughs> than that. And he's saying, wait a minute. No, no, no. You, you, you have been set apart. You have been bought. You've been saved. You've been rescued. Like, you are now God's people. And God's people are just a sum of our urges. God's people are a representation of who God is on earth. We're, we don't just, we're not animals. Animals don't have a soul where they're wrestling with the reality of life. You don't find your cat going, what is the meaning of life? I was been over here <laughs> pondering the meaning of life. Listen, in a culture where anything goes, Paul is saying, yeah, you can do whatever you want, but is it beneficial? Is it beneficial? I believe this, my friends. If, you, if we're going to build a solid life to go to distance... We need self-control. We need discipline. We need to rise above our, some of our urges. We need to rise above the flesh and feed our spirit. And how do we do that, my friends, when you constantly are bombarded with the reality of the world? You constantly, like you can't go anywhere without being bombarded. Like today, after this message, go home, pay attention. It's all over you. I can't watch a soccer game without a commercial that puts me in an uncomfortable place with my son. Hey, I was just watching, the NBA just came back and a commercial comes on and he's like, Dad, what is that? And I'm, I'm awkwardly having to deflect 
this conversation that I'm not ready to have with my 12-year-old son. Because this is the culture we live in, where we don't even care that kids are watching. Matter of fact, we want to start to teach them very early that food is for the stomach and stomach is for the food. I, I believe that we need to have certain rule of life if we're going to go the distance and create a generation that can actually go the distance. Can you say amen? And one of the things that I love about the Apostle Paul is that the Apostle Paul doesn't come from an angle of, of prohibition. Because prohibition is, is, is the worst thing we can do. When you tell someone not to do something, they're going to do it. I love that Paul doesn't come from the angle of legalism. Right? Don't do this. Don't do this. Do this. I love that Paul puts the ball in the court and says, yeah, but is it beneficial? In other words, here's what I'm trying to get at. I think we need to get to a place, instead of asking, is it a sin? We need to ask, is it beneficial? Because a lot of times, we, we spend so much energy of trying to figure out where's the line. When I was a youth pastor, one of the questions the youth used to ask all the time is, how far is too far? And my answer is, you've already gone too far by asking that question. <laughs> Think about it, right? If, if, if you are on the precipice of hell, do you go, how, how close to hell can I get without actually going to hell? I don't know about you. First of all, I don't like heights. So I'm back here. I want to watch everything from here. You go ahead, but I'm staying in here. And I believe there's a lot of wisdom in asking this question instead of asking that question. Because if I just ask, is it a sin? I'm always looking for an angle to wiggle my way into this thing. And we wonder why we get ourselves in trouble because we want to wiggle our way into it. It's like, okay, so this far? How about, how about like this? How about like that? Instead of asking a better question, a mature question is, is it beneficial? And I love that Paul did that because he's like, guys, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I'm going I'm to challenge you with a better question for your life. You can do whatever you want to do. Which, by the way, let's be real. Freedom is not the ability to do whatever you want to do. Freedom is the ability to do what you need to do. There's a difference. Because think about it. Think about it. The reason why so many people's lives are broken is because they said, I can do whatever I want to do. And now you have the results of doing whatever you want to do. Be careful what you wish for. You can't tell me what to do. No, I can't. But is it beneficial? I don't want to drive a church. I, don't, I, I say this to my leaders all the time. I don't believe in policing people. I think that's legalism. I believe in building people to ask better questions for their own selves. Is it beneficial? Let me put it this way. Was it a sin for the two little pigs to build a house out of sticks and straws? Was it beneficial? Well, you can do that. But just so you know, there's a big bad wolf coming around. And the Bible says he's taking no prisoners. He will take anybody. Like, have you noticed that there's no guarantees? Have you noticed some people grew up in the church, but they don't want anything to do with the church? Have you noticed that you can have the best of intentions in the world and things could still go wrong? So if that's true, if I have no control over a lot of things in life, shouldn't I be able to control what's beneficial? 
Should I be able to control what comes into my house, what comes into my marriage, what comes into my children? Because I want to position myself to do things that are going to benefit me. Can you say amen? amen. I want to I share with you, my friends, some practical but heavy structures to build a house of bricks in a society where anything goes. This is where it's going to get a little challenging because it's going to be a matter of conviction and what you want out of your life. And I hope that we're, as adults with kids, I hope that we're beyond just living for myself. But I want to set a legacy for my children as well to live by. Can you say amen? Listen, we need to have a rule of life if we're going to have strong foundations. And the first one is found right here in, in the same chapter. Paul is challenging them when it comes to their sexuality. Because sexuality is sacred. God created sex. And it has a purpose. Right? God in the beginning said, it's not good for men to be alone. Right? God says, I'm going to make you a suitable helper. And he says, the two will become one. You know, he said, God says, man, I, my purpose is to create families. Where a man and a woman can come together and be able to fulfill the purpose that I've created for them. Now we live in a society where we can't even tell if you're a male or a female. And if you, and if you say there's only two genders, then <laughs> you're a hater. You're a hater for pointing out the reality of life. You see how twisted things have gotten. Well, hey, God says I created male and female. And now, not only are we not okay with saying there's a male and female, now we want to teach our children who don't even know who they are yet, who are still being developed in their understanding. We want to impress upon them that you're not a male or a female. My friends, we got a problem. And we can't leave it up to society to teach our children anymore. Parents, kids are going back to school pretty soon. You better debrief them every day. You better have school after school. Because sometimes you have to, you have to unteach them what some goofy person is trying to teach them about who they are. There used to be a time where we can trust our teachers blindly. There was a time where teachers were like the prominence of society. It's like, man, teachers. And I still pray for our teachers. I still believe for our teachers. But man, we need to double down and say, what did you learn today? Because everything is permissible, but it's not all beneficial. Are you, are you with me? And so what does Paul say? Paul says, listen, when it comes to sexuality, you had to have boundaries. It's healthy for you. It's a good thing for you. It's a good thing for your marriage. It's a good thing for your children. It's a good thing for society. Look what Paul goes on to say in the same chapter. He says, run from sexual sin. I find this fascinating because in the Bible, it tells you to resist stuff. It tells you to fight. But when it comes to sexuality, it says, run! Because <laughs> you're no match for it. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit 
who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Again, I'm talking to believers here. You, you can't expect the world to get this. I didn't get this until I got saved. It wasn't until I got saved that I realized, my God, God has a plan for every area of my life. There's no compartments when you're walking with the Lord. But it's not like I do this on Sunday and then on Monday I'm going to do my thing. Food for the stomach. Hello. It's like I'm, I'm either all his or I'm not. Because you can't be half pregnant. I want to say some, some, some things here about sexuality. It's so important. When it comes to sexual sin, sin, the Bible tells us to run. You know why? Because sexual sins will weaken your spiritual immune system. Sexual sins will make you a noodle in the spirit. Sexual sin actually will make you a neutral in the spirit. You have no power. You have no say. Why? Because you are violating the very body that God gave you. If you don't believe me, go look at the guys who didn't follow this. Amazing man of God like David and Solomon who were called by God, but they allowed sexual sin to infiltrate their lives and they paid a high price for it. Listen, sexual sin is the reason why so many families are broken right now. Sexual sin is the reason why some kids don't have the right idea what sexuality is. Remember, Solomon was the son of David. David had an affair. That's how Solomon was born. And they never dealt with the sexuality. And Solomon went on a rampage and had sex with just everybody and their mama. And then he paid a price through his sons. And, he, and it was a, a thing that kept, a lineage that kept going. And if you notice, there are some things that if we don't deal with, our children will have to deal with them. And some of us, let's be honest, we are a byproduct of some stuff that was in our house that was never dealt with. Are you with me? Listen, it reduces you to an animal with no self-control. When people say, I can't help it, then you're just saying, I'm I'm a sum of my urges. But God created us with self-control and discipline. One of the things that is ruining our society right now is porn. It's one of the greatest industries in America. It's amazing how much money is in it. But a couple of years ago, Time Magazine, a secular magazine, not a, not a Christian magazine, came up with this article. It was a long article. You can Google it. But the article was simply this. Is porn ruining relationships? And they interviewed so many people. And, and, and one of the things that was fascinating is how many men who said, I don't even know how to be intimate anymore. Because I have bought into the reality that is fake. It's plastic. People can't tell the difference between love and lust anymore. Because food for the stomach. I can just go with my urges. But now realizing that every time you're taking a step towards plastic, you're saying goodbye to real. I've had... I've had counsel, after counsel families, I remember, never forget when a husband was in this predicament because his wife found him watching porn. And her question, the number one question I'll never forget was, does that mean he doesn't love me? Does that mean I'm not enough? Why? Because we've opened this door and we've made it a normal thing. We even brag about it. 
Now realizing that there's a price to be paid when we're opening certain doors to our lives. That the foundation is not made of bricks, it's made of sticks and straws. And it won't be able to withstand the test of time. Because if we're not able to have self-control, we're not able to overcome anything. And anything goes when there's no self-control. You see, porn has fabricated stimulation that damages the brain. Did you know this? This is a scientific thing. This is not just, oh, look, the pastor is being old school. No, I do a lot of research. I study. They're saying the porn is being treated as equal as a drug addiction would be treated. Because it alters the brain. They're saying it's so real now that now you have to go to porn rehab, just like you go to alcohol rehab, just like you go to drug rehab, you have to go to porn rehab. Why? Because your brain has been altered. That's how serious this is. Why do you think they call it an addiction? An addiction is when your brain has been altered to want something over and over again. And now your brain needs to be reprogrammed. You have to go to detox to be able to be on the other side and be able to have normal relationships, be able to know what intimacy looks like, be able to know the difference between lust and love, be able to know that, listen, not everything goes because if everything goes, then I'm not building a house that's solid. And the worst thing is, again, go study. This is why marriages are being ruined. One of the reasons, one of the top reasons, where two people can live in a house, but they don't have intimacy, because why? One person never understood what intimacy actually meant. Because I can get intimacy on demand. So this is not just, you know, old school preaching. No, this is the reality that this is why our relationships are not working. People in a relationship, but don't know how to have one. Never mind get into one. Right? This, is the, this is the situation that we're dealing with right now. It creates, and then spiritually speaking, it creates a stronghold in your mind. Think about it. How are you going to be able to worship a holy God where your mind is unholy? It's very hard to worship God when your mind is filled with filthiness. It's very hard to pray for breakthrough when you feel broken. It's very hard to take spiritual authority when you have none. That's what happened with David. He lost his authority. The guy who killed Goliath couldn't kill anything else after that. And his legacy was a sad one after that. It robs you of the true satisfaction that God wanted in the first place. What's, what's crazy to me is when you really study God, God wants humanity to have the best sex they can have. <laughs> Like, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't sugarcoat it. In Genesis 1, he already told you, hey, I want you to have the best relationships in the world with each other. Like, so when people say, uh, this is the old school mindset, because we, the way we've been thought growing up in some weird Catholic stuff, we don't talk about the reality that God wants you to have a great sexual relationship with your partner, that you're married, that you ask them to bless but the God is too holy to be into something that he didn't bless. So he wants this for us. But the problem is we, we're violating his ways and we want to do it our way. In our own terms. So when we do that, God says, I take my hands off. You can do whatever you want, but it's not going to be beneficial. That's your call. How you want it to go. 
But I believe this, you won't have a strong foundation if anything goes. Are you tracking? Listen, I believe what I'm sharing affects if you're single, if you want to be a healthy single person who's going to have a healthy marriage, this applies to you. If you want to have a healthy marriage, this applies to you. If you want to have a healthy business, this applies to you. Like, whatever you want to do, if you want to prosper in life, I believe this is for everyone. Which leads me to the second rule of life is don't counsel the opposite sex. You know, the Bible says, I'll, again, I'm talking, this is a mature word for mature people. The Bible says, abstain from all appearances of evil. Isn't that crazy? The Bible didn't say, don't go this far. The Bible says, no, abstain from even looking like you're about to do something. <laughs> like, that's how far the Bible goes. The Bible is preventative. Remember driver's ed? They tell you to, to drive defensively. Not just for you, but for the next person. The Bible says, listen, that's how you should live your life. Thinking about how does this look like. Just the appearance of it. Do you know how many pastors have lost in ministry because they were counseling somebody? You know, many story, you know how many times this has happened? You would think at some point we would learn that this is the enemy at the door huffing and puffing. This has happened too many times. You would think it would never happen again. But the problem is we all say it will never happen to me. And if we don't have certain parameters, and if we don't have certain standards, then guess what? We're going to buy right into his lies. How do you think David fell? Because he decided, oh, I'm going to hand back today. Taking it easy. Done enough. He says, abstain from just appearance. I had a meeting with our youth leaders this week. I said, don't you understand, as youth leaders, we're trusting you with these kids, and the, the parents are trusting us. And so when you are out there in your Instagram, and you're not even thinking, you're posting things that are questionable, you know what the parents are thinking? What the heck are you up to? Oh, we didn't do anything. We were just there, and you just happened to be there, and all this background though says, what the heck are you guys doing? Did you think about how this will appear? Because remember, we live in a society nowadays where you're guilty first. Questions later. Like that's, that's society we live in now. You're guilty first. People don't, people don't check facts anymore. Just the appearance of it. And so we have a thing in the church where we tell our leaders all the time, don't counsel the opposite sex by yourself. Rule out that. There's always the idiot who thinks, what's the big deal? Where's your house? Where's your house? You know the story. One thing led to another. How many times have we heard that? I didn't mean to. But that's the problem. You didn't mean to abstain. Like, I've had people get mad at me because I won't do it. I'm like, I'd rather you be mad at me than God be mad at me. And me losing my family. So usually my rule of life is, hey, if it's a couple, we'll, we'll, we'll counsel. But if it's just a female, if my wife is not available, I'm not doing it. Just not going to open that door. 
It's not worth it. I'm trying to go the distance. My friends, I want to finish well. I've heard too many people who started well but didn't finish well. I, I, I talked to my pastors, and I, we, we encourage each other with that. We challenge each other with that. Listen, it's not about how well you're doing right now. It's how well you're going to finish. You've got to finish well. It's a long road. It's a long obedience in the same direction. Like, the society can do whatever they want. They made fun of, of Vice President Pence because he said he wouldn't do that. That's the society we live in. A man with integrity is made fun of because integrity is a joke nowadays. And then people real, don't realize, wait, because you poke fun of integrity, look at your life. No, abstain from all appearance of evil. There's certain places I won't go. Well, pastor, doesn't Jesus go to certain places to reach city? Yeah, he was Jesus. I'm not. I'm going to do it from here. <laughs> you, know, you want me with me? You know where to find me. Someone this week said, oh, man, I need prayer. You know, I said, you know where to find me. I'd love to pray for you. Come find me on Sunday. I'm willing to do whatever I can to help people, but I'm not going to compromise what God has trusted me with. Because it's not just about me. It's about my kids. <laughs> Listen. Is it a sin? I don't know. But is it beneficial? It's a recipe for disaster, I can tell you that. It's almost like, hey, here's how to ruin your life. Have no integrity. Do whatever you feel like doing. Single people, this is how you protect your singleness. Married people, this is how you protect your marriage. Business people, this is how you protect your business. And Christians, this is how you protect the anointing of God over your life. Which leads me to the next one. Learn to be accountable. Learn to be accountable. Here's what the Bible says. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls. And they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. Again, here's the word benefit again. We were talking about it this week. As spiritual leaders, our greatest desire is to see people blessed. That's the greatest return of our investment. There's no greater return. So when people kick and scream, leave the church, do what they want to do, your heart breaks because you're like, man, I just want to see you blessed. I have no other horse in the game. Like, when your marriage is blessed, I feel good. When your finances are blessed, I feel good. When you're doing the will of God, I feel good. You think, like, it doesn't do anything else other than break your heart when someone is not doing that. And that's what we pray every day. That's what we labor every day. All week long, I've been laboring in prayer because of this message. I know it's not easy. But God didn't call me to do easy. He called me to be accountable to him. One day, he's, he's gonna, he's gonna, I'm going to have to present myself before him. He's going to say, did you do what I asked you to do? No, I was afraid. I don't know if they were going to judge me. <laughs> Wait, you weren't worried I was going to judge you? <laughs> I'll be accountable to preach this message. You know what I did yesterday? I called my pastor. And I walked him through my 
notes. Say what you think. How would you approach this? Why? Because I believe that I'm blessed for being accountable. I'd rather you be, call me a yes man than me being a no man for God. Y'all didn't get that. Like, I honor my pastor. I love him. I will never talk behind his back. I will always put him in a place of honor. Because why? Because the Bible says, obey your spiritual leaders. It will bless you. Because it's not so much about them. It's about what God is trying to say through them. And they may be imperfect, but God is still like, hey, but it still is my principle. Would you still honor those in your life? Part of the reason why the church, capital C Church, is so weak right now, because we have no accountability. We go to church, and then we go home, we do whatever we want. Like I, I, you can't tell me I'm your pastor if you don't obey the teaching. I'm just the guy who talks. There's a difference between being a pastor and an inspirational speaker. Get what I'm saying? There's a difference. And I know this, like, not everybody who comes to this church and I watch online is under the principles. Which, is, which stinks because when they do something weird, people blame the church. But we forget to ask, wait, were they under accountability though? Is that what you do with your job? When someone does something weird, you go, this place. The whole place. <laughs> right? Like when a player leaves a team, do we go, oh, that whole team. What some players do. Funny how these guys are leaving the Patriots. They're like, oh, we didn't have any fun. Oh, but you were winning, though. What happened to winning? Six Super Bowl rings, you want to have fun. I thought fun is winning. I don't have fun when I'm not winning. Y'all are going to these whack teams talking about we want to have fun. Oh, you didn't want to win. <laughs> Story for another time. But I believe we should live under the umbrella of spiritual covering. This is a hard one to teach because you have to catch it. Here's why this is hard to teach. Because the moment people say be accountable, the moment you're thinking, oh, you, you, you want to control my life. That's why this is hard to teach. The flesh says it's control. The spirit says it's accountability. So it's up to you. You have to figure that out. When someone calls you out, is it because they want to control you or because they want to help you? If you're immature, you're thinking you're just trying to control me. So that's why this is hard to teach, because in the 21st century, we are so driven by our feelings that we don't know what kind of accountability looks like. And the moment someone holds you to a standard, they're judging you. But some things should be judged. There's a difference between judgment and condemnation. Judgment is to put things right. Condemnation is to rule you out. If someone's ruling you out, that's wrong. But if someone's trying to correct you because they care about you, man, you ought to thank God that somebody is willing to say something. So, my friends, the only Lone Rangers who make it are in the movies. In the movies, man, the one guy does everything. But if the Avengers are started as anything, is that we need to band together to overcome certain things. Even the superheroes were like, we need each other. If we're gonna go somewhere. So the question is, who are you accountable to? And who keeps you accountable? Who has permission to correct you? When I was in college, I met a guy who became one of my best friends. 
He was from West Virginia. And I used to make fun of him. It's like, you're a redneck from West Virginia. But we became very good friends. You know why? Because we were in a Christian college. But we're like, man, these people don't live it. This is just a facade. Not everybody, but you see a lot of stuff that you're like, how is this happening in a Christian school? I had friends who would put on a club wardrobe, then put a hoodie over and a sweatpants over because they don't want to get caught going clubbing. And they would drive from Quincy, Massachusetts to Providence, Rhode Island, so they would go somewhere that no one would see them. It's like, is that beneficial? You have friends with two Facebook accounts. Is that beneficial? Friends with two lifestyles. You worship you, Jesus. And then you're worshiping something else. Is that beneficial? And I'm the one that's judging. So we said, well, how about we help each other stay accountable? We gave each other permission to do something that. Go, Google rule of life. This has been going on for centuries. Where Christians would have rules of life to help each other live above the level of sin and mediocrity. And we said, hey, how about we do the John Wesley rule of life. Where... I can ask you any questions, you can ask me any questions because we want to go to distance. And I'm, and I'm glad to say it's been many years since we graduated. He's in ministry, I'm in ministry. And I thank God that we made that pact in college to not let each other become just another mediocre person who has the title of a Christian but doesn't walk the walk. Here's my last one today. I, I hope we're doing okay. Be sober. Be sober-minded. The Bible says this. Don't be drunk with wine. Because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It, here we go again. Is drinking a sin? And we, I know all the arguments. I've been in this a long time. Jesus drank wine. I know all of it. I know what we're going to say. It's a cultural thing. Okay. But is it beneficial? If you can tell me it's making your life better, then my God, how can I argue? I know the, 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 even the medical arguments. It's good for the flow of your blood. And, you know, I know, like I've heard it all. I've heard it all. My only question is, is it beneficial? Man, after a long day of work, pastor, there's nothing like, you know, sit, you, you talked about sitting at the kitchen table. I just want to unwind. What's wrong with the six-pack and unwinding? Nothing. But check back with me when you keep doing that six months from now. A year from now. Three years from now when the doctor calls and says, you got a liver problem. Or check back with me when your mind begins to just be numb. Where it was supposed to be an escape. And now you're just numb. And now the six-pack doesn't do it anymore. Now I need a little bit of a kick. Now what can I add to this Kool-Aid pack? Check back with me when the wife goes, I think he has a problem. 
And you're going, I don't have a problem, which is the first sign that you have a problem. <laughs> Drinking to escape or relax takes the place of the Holy Spirit. Notice how Paul puts this together. He's like, hey, listen, I know what you're trying to do. Why don't you fill yourself with something else? Because think about it. It's never about the substance. It's always about what's happening deeper. Nine out of ten people who are addicted to drugs was trying to fill a hole in their hearts. It, it, was, it was never about the addiction. No one says, hey, I want to be an, an addict. It's always about, hey, what's... What's deeper? I always ask people this question. Why do you feel that you have to drink? Like, what's deeper? What's the driving force? Because everything we do has a driving force. What's driving you to drinking? Because in my experience, I haven't seen it do much good. I haven't. My, my dad's here. He'll tell you. So, we, we talk about this openly. Did nothing but damage to our family. Right? So, is it beneficial? I don't know. Is it replacing the Holy Spirit? It might be. What would happen to the same guy who downs a six-pack every day? What would happen if that guy sat with the Holy Spirit every day? Check back with that guy six months from now and see how that guy has grown and he's strong and he's healthy and he's focused. He's, can you imagine? Imagine that guy says, man, I had a hard day at work. I need to sit with the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine? Is it beneficial? Heck yes. Because now it's not just you. You just filled your whole house with the presence of God. And you filled your marriage with the presence of God. And you're not wasting money. We don't talk about that enough. Addictions are expensive. A pack of cigarettes is expensive. Like, it's amazing to me every time I go to Cumberland Farms 7 Eleven, it's like, oh, let me get that in a pack of cigarettes. And it's like, oh, that's 50 bucks. It's inexpensive. And then you, you guys get mad when we say tied. You tied into 7 Eleven. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, my friends. Worship team, you can come up. Listen, the beauty of this walk with the Lord is God is gracious. He's compassion. He's forgiving. And he wants to forgive. Go to my last slide. First John, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. It's a long obedience in the same direction. It doesn't all happen overnight, but over time, if you give yourself to the Lord, watch how he sets you free from the things that the enemy is trying to corrode your baseline. He's trying to undo all the things that God's trying to do in your life. My job and your job is to be like that third little pig, to show up every day and say, God, I'm going to add another brick to this thing. But I believe you're the one that protects this house. You're the one that protects this marriage. You're the one that protects these kids. Because right now, man, it's overwhelming. I don't know how you feel, but it's a little overwhelming. It's like, man, we're, it's a crazy uphill battle that we're facing. But like we sing today, it's not impossible. Because all things are possible with God.
But we have to figure out, do I want to be his or do I want to be in the world? Can't do both. You got to choose. And it, I, I think, if you ask me, it's worse when you are trying to be in the church and let the world creep in. It's better that you all are go in the world. Then you won't have all of this accountability. But I have never regretted being accountable. It's always blessed my life. It's blessed my marriage. It's blessed this ministry. And I pray it blesses it until Jesus comes back. Amen. Come on, would you stand with me? We're going to pray. I want to ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill us fresh. I pray he replaces all these other things that we're trying to chase. I pray the Holy Spirit is, is greater than addiction. It's greater than sexual sin. It's greater than all the temptations that we're facing. We need the Holy Spirit to revive us. To transform us from the inside out. We don't need prohibition. We need beneficial. I don't want to get so close. I want to get close to Jesus. I want to live close to his will and his purpose. Come on, would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, come. Come on, open your heart and receive. Holy Spirit, come. Come upon my life. Build a strong foundation. Build a life that's going to go to distance. Marriages that will go to distance. Children that will go to distance. Ministries that will go to distance. God, help us discern between what's sin and what's beneficial. Lord, we want to live in the fullness of your will. God, we don't want to conform to the way of this world. We want to be transformed. Renew our minds. Break the strongholds that the enemy has logged in our minds, lodged in our minds. God, I pray for a new day in our minds, in our hearts, in our spirits. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Jesus. If you've never trusted in Jesus, this is a moment to do it. Whether in person, online, and forever. Just say, Jesus, I need you in my life to forgive me, to empower me, to live above the level of sin and mediocrity. I want to live in the fullness of your will. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.